Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. We thank you so much for joining us. It is 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, and that means we are joined by Toby Leary. And if you have any questions for Toby from Cape Gunworks, you can call 844-500-4242. You can also text in 617-213-1066. Just start the text with the word Curley, C-U-R-L-E-Y. And Toby, gun control, gun legislation is obviously a national story all the time. But a lot of it right now, when I'm reading the headlines week to week, a lot of it has to do with Massachusetts. A lot of things are happening here. Can you give us an update on what's going on in our state? Yeah, absolutely, Grace. Uh, Number one is the big um, HD 4420, as all the lawn signs say, which is now known as H4139, which has been voted on favorably and much to the um, Massachusetts gun owner's chagrin uh, and now has been sent over to the Senate. The Senate is going to be taking this bill up in January or February. And they, uh, Cynthia Cream is the one that has been tasked with writing the legislation. So a little backstory, Grace, is the, the legislature is, not really uh, happy. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. The Senate is not really happy with the way the House proceeded with this. They basically ran roughshod over the whole process. They didn't bring the Senate to the table. They did it kind of unilaterally and uh, basically gave every gun control group their wish list and put it all into one giant omnibus bill, which ended up being a hundred and. 21 pages long and uh, the Senate. Oh, and all the while Michael day, who is the sponsor of the bill, who who's the co-chair of the, um, of the uh, house ways and means or the house judiciary committee. So he wanted it to be hashed out in the house judiciary committee instead of the public safety committee, which is where all gun control goes to be debated. And so the Senate basically said, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We want to have it in the public safety. So they were at odds with each other and they're still at odds with each other, which I guess is a good thing for the gun owner, uh, for the freedom loving American who lives in Massachusetts, because they weren't able to push it through as quickly as the House was hoping. Um, but that being said, Cynthia Cream is no friend of the Second Amendment. In fact, she is a perennial introducer of anti-gun legislation. She always puts forth bills that are as extreme as banning handguns or banning every semi-automatic rifle, banning the pre-banned status of uh, certain weapons and also certain magazines. Uh, They always want more training, more requirements, more fees, more 
uh, trip wires and hazards for the American gun owner. Um, so the fact that she's the one in charge of writing this legislation doesn't give me a warm fuzzy. Uh, it certainly means that I'm sure they're going to come out with their own version that's just as bad, if not um, worse in some areas. However, I've been told that the big four issues for the Senate right now, the state Senate, is number one, training. This is a constant search of a, a problem in search of a solution. I, I should say a solution in search of a problem. Um, there right now is nobody who owns guns that is, there, there's nobody like dying weekly, monthly, yearly from not knowing how to operate their gun or uh, buying a gun and being unsafe with it. The fact of the matter is that is really not an issue here. And we have dramatically increased or decreased the uh, accidental deaths and accidents with firearms, thanks to the education that gun stores like Cape Gunworks and others throughout the state and Gun Owners Action League and NRA and everybody who's been putting a focus on education. But the state still wants to make it harder for you to exercise your right to keep and bear arms. So they want to take the four-hour class and bump it up to an eight-hour class. They want to give you mandatory training for like uh, de-escalation techniques and active shooter training, which is incredibly ironic because think about this, Grace. They want to expand the gun-free zones, but yet they want to give you active shooter training. So it's like you're most likely going to be disarmed in the place that you might encounter a mass shooter because they always go to gun-free zones to commit mayhem and mass murder. So I just find it incredibly ironic. They want me to undergo mass shooter training, but yet they want to disarm me if I'm going to some place like a polling place or a government building or private residence or, you know, and at first the, the bill actually had any state land or public highway or public road or whatever. So fortunately, some of that's been clawed out of this bill. But uh, regardless, so, so training mandates with live fire, eight hours. Think of the cost involved. Now, meanwhile, the state doesn't own a single state range. So this is going to put a tremendous burden on gun clubs and on people. Uh, you know, there's only a few public ranges like myself in the state. So basically the state's going to say, you have to take an eight hour course with live fire and uh, good luck doing that because the, we don't have any state ranges. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, that they also have this fixation on this Glock switch thing, which you hear about in the news a lot, which was this Chinese, imported thing that you'd find on wish.com, which would convert a handgun into a machine gun. But Grace, that's already banned federally and statewide. So I don't know why they even need to write new and introduce new legislation on this uh, because, and it's proof that the criminals don't follow the laws that they pass because it's already banned federally and state. Uh, and yet they want to create more legislation for a, a law that they're probably not going to enforce or uh, if they do, they'll probably still plea bargain it down to a lesser charge and let them out on their own personal recognizance. The third thing they want to focus on is uh, registration of firearms. They, they really want this data uh, collection is what they're calling it. But really, it comes down to a illegal gun registry where every gun made, owned, brought into the state, 
owned prior to the registration date will now need to be retroactively registered and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then last but not least, they want to do away with the quote unquote ghost guns where right now, since our country's history inception and before anybody who makes a gun for their own personal private use um, doesn't need to serialize it by federal or state law, but they want to require serialization and registration and to make sure that you don't make a gun that's not on the approved weapons roster in Massachusetts. So they're just tightening the noose, tightening the snare to further trip up the lawful gun owner who's not the problem in Massachusetts. And that's basically where it sits now. So not to mention the 56 bills that were introduced at the beginning of the legislative session outside of this omnibus bill that had its hearing a, a couple months ago. And uh, we, we went and attended, actually it's probably about a month ago now, uh, attended at the state house. And there was a lot of testimony about that. So another whole 56 bills outside of this giant omnibus bill, which a lot of it is redundant. So that's where it stands now. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see what the new year brings, but um, it's, you know, we're living under the threat of uh, government violence by the, the legislature for um, if you fail to comply with newly enacted laws, which could happen this year. Yeah. And, and I think a big part of this, as Toby, you talk about a lot, is that the the confusion, the vagueness of some of this legislation is the point. It's to make it so that people don't understand what laws they're breaking and they might be breaking them without even realizing it and getting themselves in a whole lot of trouble. Um, we are going to take your calls with Toby when we come back. It's 844-500-4242. Again, that's 844-500-4242. Toby will be here with us until around 245, so you still have plenty of time to get on the lines and ask him any questions you may have regarding this Second Amendment regarding guns, um, ammo, whatever your question is, or just asking him about the range of Cape Gun Works, you are more than welcome to get on the line. Before we go to break, though, Jared, I want you to tell the audience about the Nasa Beach Inn because you love this spot, and there's really there's so much to love. Yeah, the Nasa Beach Inn is great because it is everything you think of when you think of Cape Cod in the winter. It's it's tranquil. It's got great sunrises. You can see the stars. Great views. You can walk the beach when it's not crowded. Nosset Beach Inn is pet-friendly, so you can bring your dog for a walk on the beach and just go down there, kind of unplug, get away from it all. And every room at the Nosset Beach Inn has giant picture windows, so you can look out. You can see the ocean. They have a, a fireplace in every room. So you can stay in and you can be cozy. Or if you want to go outside, maybe sit outside, have your morning coffee, and watch the sunrise. There are fire pits. You can go out there at night. You can uh, you can watch the moon rise. There's any number of things you can do. And the Nasa Beach Inn is uh, it's it's just a great getaway to go unplug and sort of recharge your batteries. Absolutely. And right now you can stay at the Nasa Beach Inn for under $200 this winter, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal savings, especially for Cape Cod. Anyone who's familiar with Cape Cod knows that that's a really good deal. So it's a great place to stay, to unwind, to relax, to have fun. To reserve your ocean view room, go to NossetBeachInn.com. These rooms always go quickly, so go to NossetBeachInn.com. Again, that's NossetBeachInn.com. We will take all of your questions for Toby Leary when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show.
This is the Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. We're talking now with Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. The number is 844-500-4242. And, you know, Toby was just discussing some of the updates about what's going on in Massachusetts. Let's go to Edward. He's on the line to talk to Toby. Edward, what's your question for Toby Leary? Go ahead, Edward. Oh, Edward, are you there? Let's let's pop him up. Hello. Yep, go ahead. Oh, hi, Grace. I have a question for uh, for Toby. Actually, two. Um, what would stop Indian reservations? They're federally mandated or whatever. What would stop them from issuing federal licenses to anybody that wants to get an LTC? And also, uh, question two. Um, Anything related to gun laws or the Constitution in a supermajority state like ours with the Democrats should be on a ballot. Mm-hmm. All right, Toby, you want to respond? Yeah, I agree with you there. Yep, sure. That's uh, some great questions, Ed. Uh, I'm not, I don't think that the tribal lands can just issue federal license to carry to everybody. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't know enough about that um, to, to speak intelligently on it, but I would presume it would be like cigarettes. Like you can't go buy cigarettes on an Indian reservation and resell them uh, tax free or whatever. There's like a big thing about that. Like you can go buy them tax free on the reservation, but then when you leave, you, you can't just buy them cheap to avoid taxes and then resell them. I have a feeling the same thing would apply um, that they couldn't just issue licenses to whoever wants one. Um, it's interesting, the, the thought behind it. Uh, I think that the bigger argument is the incremental uh, shortening of our rights or the incremental uh, deterioration of our rights from states like Massachusetts where they have put extra requirements on to a, a set of rights. In other words, what I'm trying to say is if you look at, say, the First Amendment, your right to free speech or your right to a freely attend and worship whatever religion you want to and church you want to, there's no conditions put on those. But yet the Second Amendment has a ton of conditions that have been put on it uh, by states like Massachusetts. And we just had a, not a Supreme Court, but a uh, federal judge rule that AR-15s are not protected under the Second Amendment because they are not common and they are unusually dangerous. So those are the, that's the requirement of that. Um, if, if anyone wants to ban anything, it has to be considered uncommon and exceedingly or uh, uh, dangerous, right? Very dangerous. Um, so that it's a two-pronged approach. If they're common and dangerous, we all know guns are dangerous, right? If they fall into the wrong hands or someone uses them negligently, they're dangerous. So that box is always going to be checked as, as dangerous or unusual is, is part of the other. So if it's not exceedingly dangerous, but it's unusual, that's how they've been able to ban like some weird um, like martial or ancient arts or ancient type of weaponry. 
is because it's uncommon and unusually dangerous. So it has to meet both of the sides of that. All right, that's the kind of tangent I went down. But um, getting back to the second part of your question, which is, uh, do I think that any constitutional issue should be on the ballot? I absolutely do. But even that isn't enough, because if you think about it, it should be treated at a higher level of scrutiny whenever you're dealing with rights. So we have enumerated rights by the Constitution. So I don't think someone should be able to, like they did in Oregon, just vote away their rights. So in Oregon, they voted away their constitutionally protected rights. And a court just ruled against them. So uh, and said, basically, whatever you did last election, just because the people wanted it, doesn't supersede the right that are enumerated in our Constitution. Because you could get a lot of people together and say, hey, uh, we don't really like that church over there, and so we want to put a ballot initiative together and ban that church, which we all know is unconstitutional. That's what they do all the time with the Second Amendment, but they've got away with it because of the interest-balancing approach that has been upheld by courts for 100 years. But now, since the Bruin case, which it says you must have the text, the history, and the tradition as ratified by the Constitution in 1791, um, that's the threshold. So therefore, what I'm saying is the, the, the barrier for any type of infringement on any constitutional right needs to be like a constitutional Congress where you get them together to hash out the constitutional uh, provision in the first place. And that's what Gavin Newsom has recommended because he sees where all gun control is headed in a post-Bruin era, and he just basically introduced the 28th Amendment, which would repeal and replace the Amendment. Um, so that's basically uh, how I feel about that. I don't think it should be on a ballot per se, although it's good to you know, uh, get the people feelings about what, how they feel on certain subjects. But also, I don't think that the legislature should take it lightly. They should have to reach a constitutional Congress level. Okay. Uh, thank you, Toby, for that answer. David, you're up next. we got about a minute here for this response. So go ahead, David. Uh, uh, real quick, uh, uh, Toby, I love when you use the word constitution. I, uh, you're so passionate. I, I love it. Hey, what uh, you have mentioned, uh, a, co- a constitution carry state. Could you explain mm-hmm. that in, in the origin and how, and how it came about and, and how powerful and can yep. it be nationwide, or how do we how do we get that everywhere? All right, I'm gonna. Yeah, that's a great question, and is exactly uh, where I think the country's headed, David. Um, and before gun control was a thing, it was the law of the land. Like nobody thought twice about riding their horse across state lines and thinking they were violating any law because they had a six shooter on their hip. That didn't happen, right? It was the law of the land. The Constitution is the is the document that allows you to carry a gun. And uh, but we had a hundred years of gun control, which eroded that right. Um, and so Vermont was the first one uh, about 30, 35 years ago that recognized the Constitution is the only document you need in order to carry a gun. Then other states started to jump on the bandwagon. And we had people saying, oh, there's going to be blood running in the streets if nobody is, you know, held accountable by a license that's issued by the government, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk more about this, Toby, when we come back. Get on the lines now. It's 844-500-4242. We'll be right back.
live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Toby, I wanted to let you finish up on that last thought about constitutional carry. We ran out of time there, so so go ahead. The floor is yours. Thank you. Um, yeah, so constitutional carry has now been adopted in about 27 states. Uh, there's two or three that are going to be next. Um, and, you know, originally when... I first got my license to carry. There was one. It was just Vermont. And they used to make the argument that, oh, my gosh, if you just recognize a person's inherent right to keep and bear arms and let anyone purchase a gun and carry it, if they're not a prohibited person, then people are going to be shooting each other over parking spots. There's going to be blood in the streets. We're going back to the wild, wild west. And so now we have 30 years of history, Grace, where states have been doing this progressively. And in the past, I think, three to four years, we finally crossed over the halfway point. And guess what's not happening is people meeting at high noon on Main Street, you know, with tumbleweeds blowing by and them drawing and shooting each other in the street over a parking spot, stupid stuff like that. But that's the the narrative that has been um, perpetuated very successfully so in, in media and continues to be spoken. I mentioned that uh, hearing that we went to the joint uh, hearing on gun control a couple weeks ago or a month or so ago at the state house. And I heard every gun control argument after one after another, just continuing to spew lies and fear and uh, to the point where they were like, playgrounds should be gun-free zones, Grace, because I, feel, I don't feel safe being in a playground knowing that somebody could have a gun. And it was interesting because uh, Representative Steve Xaros from the 5th Barnstable District, who's my rep, he actually asked this woman and said, so you're saying you want to disarm the people who you don't need to worry about but what's to stop a psycho from coming to the coming to the playground and shooting people? She goes, oh, well, you're never going to be able to stop that. <laughs> she just doesn't want the thought of some law-abiding person being there and able to have a gun. So it's the same retread, fear-mongering, emotional argument that has been used for decades about all gun control, but specifically about constitutional carry. And... There hasn't been a any like landmark case so far that has addressed the licensing scheme as far as uh, is a licensing scheme period legal, yes or no, or lawful? Is it constitutional? Even the Bruin case, which was specifically about licensing, but it was a, about the May issue licensing scheme that eight states had, Massachusetts being one of them. So. In other words, they, you could apply, and if you couldn't show proper cause or you didn't have a legitimate fear for your life, like you weren't being trailed by a team of assassins on your way home from work, then they could say, nah, you don't, you don't get to have your license to carry. You don't get to exercise your right to keep and bear arms. And so uh, that same type of uh, rhetoric has been used for decades about licensing, et cetera. But never has the issue of licensing been taken head on by the court system or the Supreme Court 
Um, and so hopefully that will happen. There is a case here in Massachusetts that Firearms Policy Coalition is um, behind. And originally it was dismissed because two district court judges have upheld our licensing scheme prior to the Bruin um, doctrine or the Bruin mandate that came out uh, a couple of years ago and basically said, yeah, in the interest balancing approach of legislation, if the state wants it, they can have it. But now they have to meet the government, you know, the government needs to meet the, the test of text, history, and tradition. And so there's never been licensing for any enumerated right, any other enumerated right. In fact, they tried it back in the 40s in Pennsylvania uh, on a First Amendment case. It's called uh, Murdoch v. Pennsylvania, where they were making Jehovah's Witnesses buy a license to sell their watchtower door to door. And that was struck down as unconstitutional. And the wording in that uh, decision says that you can't charge a fee, sell a license, sell a permit uh, for the enjoyment of any enumerated federal constitutionally protected right. And so I don't know where that leaves licensing of firearms, but I think uh, that puts it, it days are numbered, uh, hopefully, and puts it on notice. And so uh, that case that was dismissed, that Firearms Policy Coalition is backing. Uh, they appealed again to the First Circuit after the, uh, the Bruin decision, and they allowed the case to go forward. So that's something we're going to have to watch and uh, keep keep on the forefront here in Massachusetts. I'm sure it's going to take some time. I'm sure it's going to take years. Uh, maybe another state will uh, rule on it before then, and hopefully it'll make its way up to the Supreme Court and they can finally uh, weigh in on it one way or another. And, and Toby, you were talking a lot about different narratives that get pushed when it comes to gun control. And one narrative that we see a lot of is that if we just have tighter gun laws, if we just have more laws on the books, then that will decrease the amount of uh, people killed by guns. And I'm looking now at a headline. It says at least 19 shot, three fatally in holiday weekend gun violence across Chicago. This is an example you give a lot. It's it's a sad example that continues to be true every single you know holiday weekend, every single weekend, really, where you have Chicago that has very strict gun laws and it's not stopping fe- people from being killed from gun violence. Mm. Yeah, that is the tragedy of all um, anti-constitutional gun laws is the fact that the the people who are affected the most by those laws are the people who could actually uh, benefit the most from uh, the Second Amendment. So they live in an area that's, you know, just ripe with crime and and. Uh, they would, should be able to protect themselves, but they can't because their their Congress has told them no, <laughs> unbelievably. Yeah, Toby, we have a, a couple more people on the lines here. we got to take these calls quickly. Let's go to Rob. You're next up with Toby Leary. Go ahead, Rob. Hi. Um, I just got approved for my LTC by my police chief, and he's sending the paperwork, he said. Um, and it's going to take four to six weeks, which I guess is normal. And I would just like to know, uh, with the paperwork, is it, is it an administrative thing now that I just have to wait for, or are they, are they going to, um, 
look it over and send it back to the police chief for more examination. Yeah, it's kind of a back and forth process. He preliminarily approved it, sent it to the state. The state's going to do their whole battery of background checks. Ultimately, they're going to send it back to the police chief for issuance. So that's what's going to happen. If he's if it's passed the first round, it's probably going to pass the second round. So, um, yeah, four to six weeks, even though the state law says they must respond within 40 days. So at day 41, you've technically been given a denial which, you know, no one will actually treat it that way. But I would just say, keep your receipts, if you will, Rob, and make sure that uh, you can hold their feet to the fire, so to speak, and call them. But they are supposed to respond within uh, 40 days, which they will not do. It'll be four to six weeks, like you said. All right. Thank you, Rob. Rick, you're last up with Toby Leary. Go ahead, Rick. Hey, Toby, quick question. I know TikTok's not always a reliable source, but I've seen this gun shop owner's wife, I don't know what state, saying that it's now legal for illegals to purchase handguns. Is there any truth to that? I saw that headline myself. I have not dove deep into that. I find that hard to believe, but think about this. Forever, you've been afforded all of the constitutional rights that we are afforded as citizens of America have been extended to non-citizens in the form of permanent resident aliens or in the form of temporary uh, aliens who are here on certain visas. People come here to hunt. People come here uh, for competitive reasons, competitive shooting reasons, and they are given a... uh, you know, they can bring guns and they can exercise the right to keep and bear arms while here, even though they're not a citizen. Because if you think about the Constitution, it's, it is an acknowledgement of pre-existing rights. It isn't a document that gives people the right to keep and bear arms. It is God who gave us the right. And we are just acknowledging it. So I have a feeling, and I've been waiting for this to ha- kind of rear its head and see where it stands. The big question is, do illegal aliens get uh, all the other? I mean, obviously, we don't want them voting in our elections. We don't want them, uh, you know, buying guns. But frankly, if we're giving them this per- permanent resident status, then I think ultimately the all the other rights are going to matriculate down to them. So uh, we got to figure that out. and we got to figure it out quick, especially with an open border that is surging, um, you know, a huge population surge that's come across. Um, but I don't know if it's already been done in certain states and people are, have been given a, that right to keep in their arms in certain states. I don't know. I got to I got to dig deeper into that. But I think ultimately it will, um, because, you know, how do you deny someone their basic human right, whether they're here legally or illegally? I, you know, I know it's a scary thought to even think about when you think about the majority of people who have come across the border being military age male, males without a family in tow. It's like, hmm, what are they coming here for? So anyway, um, more work needs to be done on that subject before I can really weigh in on that, Rick. Um, so I appreciate the, the question. I, I will dig into that for next week. Thank you very much, Rick. Toby, please let people know where they can find you, where they can follow you and where they can visit you at Cape Gunworks. Yeah, thank you, Grace. So you can always come down and check out Cape Gunworks in person, live, and shoot 
and check out all the cool stuff on the wall and in the cases. Uh, it's been a very busy couple of weeks, but you know, if you got some time off work and before you go back to work and if you got a gift card, if you were lucky enough to get a gift card for Christmas, come on down to Cape Gunworks. We'd love to show you around and show you the place and you can take a class or get the uh, process started if you want to become a gun owner. Um, and you can always shop online as well with that gift card if you go to capegunworks.com and uh, check out everything we have in stock and at distribution. If we don't have it in stock, you can still shop the distributor's in-stock status as well. So uh, that's a huge benefit. We have millions of products on our website, and uh, you can you know add to the cart, and we'll ship out of state. We'll ship anywhere in the country. So um, check that out. And please like, subscribe, share, and comment on all of the social media that we uh, partake in. It's at Cape Gunworks. And uh, we'd love to see you there and help our channel grow because we are still uh, Zuckerberg's neck, uh, foot is still on our neck and keeping our content down, uh, even though we put out some pretty good content, if I do say so myself. Uh, so check us out there. And we also have Rapid Fire Radio every Wednesday from 4 to 6. So check us out there. Go to rapidfireradio.us and you can sign up for whenever we go live and listen. And uh, we'd love to see you there. I appreciate being here, though. Uh, And we'll see you next week, Grace. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Toby. Have a good week. And uh, I wanted to do the poll question here quickly. It's brought to you by Colette Travel. Join Caroline Levitt on November 16th. 2024 as she journeys in search of Iceland's magical northern lights. This is really exciting. Colette covers the details. You don't have to worry about anything. They've got flights, meals, hotels, local experiences. They're going to cover all of those annoying details for you so you can just enjoy the special trip with Caroline. You can book your spot with Colette at 800 581-8942. Again, that's 800-581-8942. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is what is your top issue heading into 2024? Illegal immigration, the economy, crime, or other? I'm going to say illegal immigration. Up to 77% now say illegal immigration. All right, now it is getting chillier. Although sometimes, you know, random days it gets really warm like it was on Christmas this year. But for the most part, you're trying to stay warm um, heading into the winter. And one thing about me is I'm always chilly. But luckily with my Gen 40 heater, I'm doing really, I'm doing just fine. I got my Gen 40 on when I'm watching TV. I don't have to worry about heating up the whole house, which saves me a lot of money. And I have one at the office, which is great too. I don't have to fight with my coworkers over the temperature because everybody has a different ideal temp. And I like to be nice and cozy warm with the infrared and the convective heat combined. It creates a really like warm fireplace style heat. And it's a sleek and stylish looking heater. It looks great in any setting. Plus, right now, if you go to EdenPureDeals.com and you click on the Gen 40 heater and you use code GRACE50, you're going to save $50 with that code. $50 with code GRACE50, and you're going to get free shipping. This is a really, really great deal. A lot of companies crank up the shipping prices around this type of year. Not Eden Pure. They're giving you a great deal. You can get the temperature higher and the bills a lot lower with the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater. I can attest to the quality of these heaters. They've got a lot of cool um, 
a lot of cool features too. Very safe. They have a timer on it, so you know you don't have to run it all night. It's a really great device. Don't go broke trying to heat up your whole house or office space. Just go to EdenPureDeals.com. Don't forget to use code Grace50 because I want you to get the fifty dollars off and the free shipping. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use code Grace50 for one more week to save fifty bucks. We'll be right back with Taylor Cormier. This is the Grace Curly Show. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curly. This is the Grace Curley Show. Global unrest is battering the food supply chain and the energy markets, and it's incumbent on you to be prepared. So get ready with ReadyWise. Go to ReadyWise.com and use code Howie20 to get 20% off your next purchase. That's Howie20 at ReadyWise.com. Joining me now is not Abby Carr, it's Taylor Cormier. And Taylor, you have a lot of sound cuts that you want to dig into during the show today. There's some fun stuff. Um, as you alluded to earlier in your show, Joe Biden did this, not really an interview, but just this feature with Architectural Digest. He was letting them check out his crib. Yeah, it was basically it was MTV, cool. MTV Cribs. Did he show them a refrigerator at any point? That was always my favorite part of Cribs. No, he never showed. He showed them the Resolute Desk with a door that opens. And it was he went through some of his more prized possessions. The Moon Rock. The moon, the moon Rock. I, he better watch oh Kamala God. Harris around that moon rock because she loves the moon. Oh, yeah, that's true. And, and she, would, true. I'm sure she would want that if she became president. He explained the significance between some of the portraits that he has hanging. <laughs> Are those the one that his brother chose? Yes, <laughs> that President President Xi Jinping uh, had some influence over. Uh, then he explained why Benjamin Franklin's portrait is also hanging in the Oval Office. And it's because that Joe Biden was also a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, so he said. It's just all kinds of fun stuff. What hasn't he been? He's been uh, everything. He's, and he's a frustrated architect. Frustrated. Art Vandelay, yeah, as is. I like to call him. He's been an architect. He's been a coal miner. He's been a football player. He's been, what else? Basically a race car driver, right? He says that the Secret Service doesn't like when he goes 212 miles an hour or something stupid like that. Yeah. Uh, he's he's been just about everything. He's been a truck driver, right? Yeah, uh, a logging truck driver. His resume. I mean, between him and Hunter, I don't know who's more accomplished. He yeah, he's he's like um, he's like quantum leap. He's just thrust into these different situations at different points in his life. And he handles them all with such grace. Yeah, he's such got a poise. lot of work experience under his belt. He does. Uh, Taylor, what else do you have planned today? I know you got four hours to cover here. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, <laughs> I always like to make Christmas that Christmas weeks are fantastic. Um, the, the, obviously, a lot of the protests in New York City over the past few days, uh, it, it amazes me how people continue to wedge themselves into these issues that have absolutely no knowledge. And that forces people like me to talk about them. Oh, I have also no previous knowledge, and I have to educate myself on what they're barely educating themselves on. Because they want to be, be part of the... Uh, the call to arms, basically, of what it is. Yeah. Taylor Cormier has got an excellent show planned. He's filling in for Howie Carr. You are not going to want to miss this. He's coming up next. Joyous Quanta, Chicago.